Welcome everyone to the Daredevil Podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is a guy so dedicated to the show that he's already watching all three seasons for a rewatch simultaneously. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today to talk to you about the entirety of the concluded now season three of Daredevil. Pete, since we last spoke, good news, not another Marvel show has been canceled. In fact, (laughs) Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. picked up for season seven. Uh, Also, how do we put this? Daredevil not, not unrenewed in that Eric Olson, uh, apparently at the end of last week, finished his pitch to the powers that be, presumably Marvel TV and Netflix, about a potential fourth season. Yes. So that's hopeful in that they took his call and then they took this meeting and they heard it. If they had been decided that it wouldn't happen, we wouldn't hear about that. So doesn't mean it will happen, but at least they've heard his plan for it. And now it's at the upper echelons in terms of deciding what to do about it. Certainly, I don't have the kind of previous history of when renewals or cancellations were announced. I don't have that in front of me. Generally, it's in the six to 12 week range, somewhere in there. So we're we're certainly at that starting point. What I, what I found interesting, Pete, was when we were at the Jessica Jones panel at the Paley Center last March, our read was wink, wink, nudge, nudge, already officially been renewed, but they haven't announced it yet, which Netflix does sometimes, mm-hmm. um, most famously perhaps with, uh, with what? There's this phenomenon out of the blue called Stranger Things. Did you say you wanted another season well netflix isn't going to say anything but will they and uh, yeah no the writers room has already been convened since before the first season came out the second season's on the way blah 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 um so i think we kind of assumed like oh they plan this stuff out ahead of time uh we saw with chihadari coker and luke cage not exactly and then now with this pitch as you said at least they took his call at least there was a pitch to be had not silence 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 oh we forgot to tell you back on september 1st we decided to cancel everything i think we've hit peak you know number of of tv shows i can't imagine us expanding more than we are over 500 scripted offerings now i mean there's only so much talent to go around um not to say that there can't be more, but, you know, it, it just feels like we, we've we hit a, a peak. And um, to think that that's not going to in the industry for a variety of reasons. OK, how much how much content, even though it buys all the content these days, Netflix needs. And that's without seeing any of the Shonda Rhimes stuff uh, or any of the blackish creator Kenya Barris, and then you have Ryan Murphy. Okay, none of their stuff has hit that screen yet. Uh, mega producers, all in terms of content, and uh, yeah, I I think it would have been a telltale sign had we not heard about this. Instead, good news, and just keep our fingers crossed. You just have to wonder how much more content other other shows contract. It's you know, the old balancing of the equation. But, um, you know, I, I think they need to make smart decisions. And part of what we discussed after watching the finale and here now at the end of the season is there's such a feeling of completeness at the end of this season to the point that if they don't get that answer that we all hope for, it's okay. That certainly is an interesting notion and built into that comic ethos is both wrap up the storyline and then do a thing to make you buy next month, you know, to make you back for that next issue. Uh, And of course we see that with certainly all these Marvel TV shows. Um, They have that here with some of the, I mean, Pete, as we discussed in our 313 podcast, the fact that everyone lives to fight another day from this season 
is evidence that there certainly is story room to move forward. What direction they'll go in? Well, I guess thus far, only the top brass and Eric Olson know for sure. What more can we realistically hope for, Matt? Could could we hope for another season with a even more outrageous, over-the-top, long beatdown sequence that you pretty much need to pause it afterward and, like, you know, go sit in the fetal position someplace for like five minutes. Okay. And, and then a brutal attack on the fourth estate and what happened at the New York bulletin. And then it just culminates in that tremendous screaming match that Matt and uh, Fisk have in his lair there with uh, Vanessa looking on and this, you know, uneasy Alliance. I, I almost, Matt, I almost prefer leaving it where we are. I, I, I don't want to mess it up. It's it's an interesting notion that you point out that, you know, though the show has not painted itself into the corner in terms of like, you know, Karen Page gone forever or, you know, Foggy has left the law or something that really is kind of, I don't want to say irreversible, but kind of believably irreversible. Uh, but there were so many high heights in this season, you know, where do you go from here? I mean, I'll be the first to admit I'm not a Daredevil comics, uh, reader very much. So I don't know who that, I mean, I know Pete, I know two Daredevil bad guys prior to when this was a show. Uh, I knew Kingpin and I knew Bullseye. Thanks. Uh, terrible Ben Affleck movie that still kind of scars me as it tries to be Brian Singer X-Men meets the crow meets something fresh and it's none of those um, now you know lord dark wind <laughs> that is true pete you did point that out and in, in our last podcast so i'm certainly not saying like oh cancel it because they don't have any great story ahead i mean the notion that the notion that you're number two bad guy for the season um and in many ways kind of you know or certainly in many episodes the primary bad guy was bullseye or proto bullseye his his background etc it shows that you can mine these stories for more than this guy throws things well um but i don't know uh it's all of these question marks that pete we've been been discussing in one form or another in the last six months uh and certainly much more recently than that with cancellations and renewals what is the value of this show? What is the value to Netflix? If it does get canceled, what is its value legally, viewer-wise, et cetera, et cetera? What's its value to other Disney assets? You know, time will tell. I'm going to uh, pitch you on season four right now. I'm going to make all the problems go away. Are you ready? Fire away. Okay. So you had asked me previously if we were going to get our Turk Barrett cameo. Sadly, Mm. no. And the last several times he's appeared, I have pitched you on, you know, a number of Netflix series where we could get our first anti-hero character. I'm going to leave Turk out of this for now, but here's where I'm going to go anti-hero, Matt. Season four of Daredevil will bring in... Luke Cage and Iron Fist and incorporate all three of them as Luke has run afoul of the law here up in Harlem. All right. Having taken over Harlem's paradise, Danny tries to to jump in and help him out. Can't quite get him right. And it takes the intrepid law firm of Nelson and Murdoch with Karen Page to kind of straighten the whole thing out. It's an interesting proposal. Immediately I have, you know, kind of, I don't know, my studio guy hat on in terms of what is the value of a kind of sort of defenders, but not all four defenders storyline there. You know, Pete, the farther we get from defenders, which among other things was like, hey, I haven't seen jessica jones and matt murdoch and all you know all their people i haven't seen them in a while i miss them here they are you know now that that now that that has been uh served that that desire to see them on screen let's kick the tires again on defenders i don't know that it has aged great 
Um, and I don't know that it was as as good as we imagined when Jeff Loeb announced uh, Sigourney Weaver as as the bad guy at New York Comic Con, bad gal, bad person, Pete. It's 2018 for goodness sake. Um, but you know, kind of, what's the story value? What's the brand value to bringing them? I would certainly welcome seeing more of those characters in the right context. Is it something Netflix wants to pull the trigger on? Is it something that Marvel wants to do versus? some uh, you know some uh, the, the second or third greatest uh comic book storyline for daredevil after born again you know what is that i don't know maybe it's time to to adapt to that i don't know a lot of question marks certainly my youngest brother uh had been with a lot of the marvel shows certainly the movies um but he's busy he's a he's an airline captain and uh he fell behind and he's on vacation now and you know he had a lot of delays flying down to uh, St. Martin to be with my parents for Thanksgiving and he's getting back into them and he's just now doing Daredevil season two, but he had watched Defenders Um, and he thought that Defenders was made too soon and that it didn't have Frank Castle affected it. Um, And now that he's going through season two and he had just finished uh, New York's finest, he said, you know, uh, I'm ready to run through a wall after this. And I said, well, just wait until you get to uh, season three, episode four, Blindsided, the uh, the big prison episode. I didn't say that in, uh, in spoiler Pete terms, but just encouraging him. And I, I think there's a lot going on as far as the, the aspect of the defenders. And, you know, maybe they, they flew too close to the sun too soon. I'm just grateful that we got it. It was this big audacious thing that we've gotten to this point. Six Marvel Netflix series. Okay, two of them have gone away. Hopefully those characters reappear in some way and we can gratifyingly round out their stories. But as I propose when I think it was even before the Iron Fist uh, cancellation, you, you have to wonder, is there kind of any end plan at this point? Are we kind of over the rainbow? The number's 291 at this pa- point, Matt. 291 episodes of Marvel Cinematic Universe TV since 2013. That's really, really impressive. It's going to hit 300 this year with 13 Runaways episodes on December 21st all at once. How much more can we realistically expect? And then there's all this belief that Disney Play is going to give us a new destination and a new kind of Marvel show. And, you know, or while we did get Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season seven renewal long before we're seeing season six and we're still scratching our heads as to how that's happened. Um you gotta wonder how much more of this there is well pete i will quote a program i think you've heard of it although i know you haven't watched it this is this is from a program called mad men uh one of the greatest shows of all time that's the Uh, one about the robot guy that's that's that that's not the one about the robot guy and the, the one about the robot guy isn't about a robot either but i digress pete from that famous famous season one monologue the notion that uh, the most important idea in advertising or i'm co-opting it for tv is new it creates an, an itch simply put your product in there as a kind of calamine lotion you know the notion is disney play going to be best served by i'll kind of use an extreme pete i hate to make this character our whip and post but it is what it is, you know, is Disney, uh, Disney plus, pardon me. Is it going to be best served by iron fist season three iron fist in the, in the far East, or is it going to be the new of, of Loki of Scarlet, Witch, etc.? Um, heck Pete, is it going to be the, the itch of the new of TV shows created by Marvel studios, as opposed to Marvel television? I had plunked all the numbers into a, uh, into a spreadsheet just to kind of see what 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 has their distribution looked like um we have in the 2017-18 tv season 123 episodes were produced by marvel tv this current season that we're in kind of projecting 91 
episodes get released. Uh, still not knowing, for example, the exact Jessica Jones season order, the, the exact Punisher order, but certainly somewhere in there. Um, but we have, you know, has Marvel Television reached its peak in last season in terms of outright production? Probably. That doesn't mean gloom and doom, but what's the direction where this is headed? It would seem lower output versus that highest high of 123 episodes. We didn't podcast them all, Pete, because The Gifted and um, I'm looking at the list here. Oh, and Legion, Legion. Uh, are not uh, are not MCU, although Pete... Once, once the purchase is complete, and once Thanos, you know, once Thanos' snap is dealt with in Avengers Four, we might suddenly be like, "Red alert! Red alert! We're gonna be at the theaters." <laughs> oh crud, Pete! We need to do Legion and uh, and the Gifted. We need to do that right away because they just got brought into the new not, new not crud. Uh, I I will welcome more absolutely, and there there shows I had watched uh, a couple of legion in the first season and certainly like what i saw um but all this mcu tv and all this podcasting and then life and full-time gigs and uh writing and everything else um but to bring it back to daredevil here it would for me be really hard to think that the highest of highs didn't happen with this season of daredevil season three is clearly the best um it seems to be the consensus and this being the show that started uh marvel on netflix i think it makes a lot of sense no question that this is the best season of daredevil uh and i think we could we could have an academic discussion back and forth whether whether it's the best season of marvel netflix or not i think you know, Jessica Jones season one, first season of Punisher have have uh, some strong argument to be made. Maybe Luke Cage, Luke Cage season two as well. But this is definitely in the discussion. It's probably my favorite Marvel Netflix season. Um, and I mean, up against the other MCU TV stuff, I mean, maybe in the top five of all the seasons, including uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, uh, and Agent Carter and Cloak and Dagger and Runaways. Um it just all the characters were running kind of in their character zone, but also very believably. They all had great arcs to them, understandable arcs. I mean, I think of Foggy wanting to defend his uh, his family that has been swept up by this. I think of Karen and that really, really great backstory, which on the page could have been like, here we do an adventure where it's less expensive because we don't have the D'Onofrio. And we're going to do some stuff in upstate New York and, you know, and, and who cares? Well, we cared because it was such a great story. Yeah. All the way around to go back to those threads of season one with Karen having killed uh, Wesley and to use that to get under Fisk's skin, the decision alone to be able to bring back Wilson Fisk, you know, Eric Olson had talked at New York Comic Con in pitching season three and asking them to be able to do certain things. And then there's the sequence he did in the fourth episode of the season in Blindsided where, you know, the the tale we've told before, they asked to uh, take a day to rehearse everything and then do this long sequence and I think the only thing in the season that outdoes that is that great sixth episode, the last one screened for the press uh, that ends with, you know, seemingly Daredevil attacking the New York Bulletin. And the way that that so ominously, uh, you know, casts a shadow over the rest of the season. It was really, really smart, well done television Jay Ali was a tremendous addition to this cast. Uh, if only there could have been some way. I, I don't think there was for his his character to last through this. It was a sacrifice that the uh, the island of Manhattan demanded, Matt, um, <laughs> in uh, in that second to last that uh, penultimate episode. But uh, that he gets his revenge here via uh, the the video, the uh, dying declaration. Um, yeah, I, I can't think there there's none of the typical complaint to this season, Matt, none of the 
Netflix bloat. You didn't hear any of it with this season. No one was like, oh, why do we need a Karen episode and called Karen and, you know, to see what she's going through because the tremendous pathos it brings her story. And maybe that's because of all the characters that kind of were equally placed in the season. And that's not to suggest, you know, that, that, uh, whatever that that fisk is an equal hero to daredevil or things like that although d'onofrio has said online in the last week you know he doesn't play villains he plays uh in his mind he's playing a hero with complicated morals or words to that effect um but i wonder if the antidote to that netflix bloat isn't just having all these characters to go to i mean another highlight to the season uh for me was that bullseye episode where we're going to do really interesting staging we're going to spend portions of the episode in black and white we're going to spend portions of the episode where the only recognizable actor is going to be a witness to these to to what we're seeing on screen um and not necessarily even involved in those scenes uh then paired with a child guest actor and a female guest actor and that's it um but to kind of rely on i don't quite say the weirdness but certainly that's a bit i mean it's avant-garde compared to like yeah. NCIS, Sundays at 10, you know, and, and things of that sort. Um, and I think only done on Netflix in terms of where they are with the catalog of these shows. I don't think it fits on another network um, because of the bingeable nature, because of the storytelling that they're going for. Super unusual. I and mean, you look at all these episodes, Matt, it stands out throughout all 291 to this point like that's really unusual the only other one i can think of aired over broadcast would be the agents of shield episode where um Gemma simmons is on another planet uh alone for much of it yeah i mean it's a season to be praised for these for these unique directions and Pete, usually when we do these season uh, wraps and we're talking highlights and lowlights, usually there's a couple of glaring speed bumps to to chew over. I'm certainly not saying that this was a perfect season, and uh, I know we're going to hear some listener feedback in a little bit discussing our take and our perspective and their take and their perspective on on the uh, the kind of the final bullseye scene with the eye opening and whatnot. I would not call that a major party foul. Uh, that scene, though we did kind of take it to task, for the life of me, I can't point out and say this is where things should have been improved. This is where they should have caught things. This is where they should have cut things. It was a solid season. I wholeheartedly agree. Other than that scene at the very end of the season where they might have shown some restraint and said, you know what, we'll we'll leave this out. Um I can't think of anything else I would have cut. I can't think of anything else I would have pulled back on. I think can't think of anything else I would have done differently. Well, Pete, we have a listener uh, call left on our listener line, 732-707-1815. Let's hear what Eric has to say about that final scene. Hey, fellas, it's Eric Pritchard at Just Pritch on Twitter. Love what you're doing. I think you guys are nitpicking way too much on the uh, tag scene at the end of Daredevil Season 3. I don't think the bullseye symbol design means you can be running around with that or seeing stuff through that. It is a comic book show after all. Uh, the hand of the writer stuff in terms of the FBI, you know, cut up some slack. It was a tremendous season. And, uh, you know, that's it. Love what you're doing. I hope they find a way to uh, incorporate Danny Rand and uh, Luke Cage and that whole universe in, in some way, shape, or form. Who knows what will happen. Your ideas for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that would be great if they found a way to make it cool, bringing those guys in. But uh, that's it. Just thought you're nitpicking too much. Love what you guys do, though. It was a great, uh, great season at Daredevil. Well, thank you, Eric, for reaching out. I, I hear you. I, I feel like I'm picking, but at the same time, I just, I, I, I would have loved the, the one episode, the fifth episode this season was called The Perfect Game. I, I think they were this much short of a perfect game. I, I think they gave up a hit late with that, uh, that bullseye scene. It was just a little little too much uh i i hear on the nitpick though i'm done talking about it <laughs> i am so appreciative that eric took the time to call you know we it's like pete i'm never sure how 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 much do we hype the listener lines i know it takes a little extra it takes a little bit extra 
time, mental preparation, et cetera, to kind of make that call versus like fire off a tweet or fire off an email where, you know, if you have more to say and we'll be reading an email in the moment, you know, you can kind of, kind of collect your, collect your thoughts and whatnot. So I'm super flattered that Eric took the time uh, to call and to share that. And certainly we, uh, we welcome people leaving messages on the listener line moving forward. We love feedback, Pete. We do, Matt. And it's funny that you mentioned that uh, Facebook had reached out to us uh, about our page, Fantastic Geek Facebook page, about adding a phone number. So I will add our listener line phone number to the Facebook page. And hopefully we can hear from a lot more of you sooner. I mean, we hear tweets, we read tweets, iTunes reviews, all that. And I'll add this, even the phone messages here are going to wind up in our giveaway on December 6th for a season one copy of uh, Star Trek Discovery on Blu-ray, a second one that we're giving away. So anytime you reach out to us, uh, you can go in the hopper for that. And we love hearing from you. Particularly since, I mean, Eric mentioned his full name, so we could, you know, and we know him through Twitter, but uh, he also mentioned his Twitter name. So, so please do that. If you leave a message, leave a way to get in touch. Cause I think calling you back would be weird. The thing goes straight to voicemail for a reason. Pete, who wants to talk? Yuck. Um, but are you ready, Pete, for some more, uh, listener feedback and email from 084? Absolutely. All right, here we go. Okay, we're finally here. The end of 13 hours of tension, cheering, laughs, yelling no at the TV, yelling yes at the TV, invisible onions being chopped in my room, and much more. Here are my thoughts on the last three episodes and the season as a whole. I have a couple of nits to pick, and believe me, they are the tiniest of nitpicks. I don't want to end on a negative note, so I'll lead with them. Uh, when Matt had two flashbacks of the orphanage, I wanted so bad to see a black-haired girl run by with a sister running after her, shouting, Mary Sue Poots! Who would have that have? <laughs> Who would that have hurt? Who? <laughs> I love that, Pete. That is a great that's, thought that's there. Excellent. Yes, given that they've they've checked, they've name checked the uh, the orphanage on both Shield and Daredevil. That that would have been good. We're just not there currently. We we can dream though. Uh, continuing from 084's email, speaking of other MCU shows, remember all that time ago, a year or a couple months or some other vague amount of time that's vague on purpose, when Daredevil participated in a plan with the other five people to blow up a building, and he ended up underneath that building which started this season? Do you think those five people might, I don't know, be a little curious about Daredevil showing up on the news killing people? Do you think they might drop by to see that lawyer and reporter who both had some connection to Daredevil just to see what's going on? I mean, I understand that Danny is in Japan and Luke is a crime boss. Stay tuned for my thoughts on their cancellations, Only 4 says. But Colleen and Jessica are still vigilantes last time I checked. And Claire was actually friends with Matt. And even though we don't see her at the end of Luke Cage, we know that she's back in town. I do understand the logistics of casting and schedules and money where crossover is concerned. It wasn't until I saw Eric Olsen on Twitter bragging about Daredevil being so standalone that I got mad about it. This universe was built on the foundation of crossover and these characters coexisting, so I wouldn't ever consider one of these series being isolated to be an achievement. But hey, maybe Claire and Jessica don't care about their friend. Maybe Jessica and Colleen see someone killing multiple people in a devil suit and just shrug it off and go stop more bank robbers and liquor store pickups. Priorities, guys. Also, the crime bosses. Sigh. How many more times are we going to see a gathering of the most dangerous people in New York? And it's different every <laughs> single time. Uh, we do see the Italian boss from Luke Cage pre uh, present and accounted for, but we're missing the other bosses she associated with including Luke Cage and the Hatchet Men, and adding an offensive Jewish stereotype, a mechanic, and some hacker wasn't feeling it. So your thoughts on all that, Pete, so far? I mean, I spoke to that gathering in that episode. I, I did not feel that the Jewish representation was offensive, but more so identifiable. Could they have pulled it back a little bit more and just had nondescript man wearing a yarmulke they could have they chose not to do that um perhaps too they could have given the character a little bit more to do although we had a little bit more than the asian lady who got to say one line and who wasn't mrs yang that's that's the biggest 
uh, criticism there that I think 084 hits on. And particularly the farther down the IMDb food chain some of these actors are, and no disrespect, but you know, the ability to get Mike Coulter and the money he commands. Okay, fine. The ability to get the Mrs. Yang actress, who I know we looked up uh, during during uh, Iron Fist. I don't, I think she's New York based. You know, I can't imagine she's super pricey. Again, no disrespect, just dollars and cents here. The ability to be like, hey, can we, you know, we want you to come in for four days and sit at the table and say, I will not listen to you, Kingpin. Like, You'd think that that's doable where a Mike Coulter isn't, but let's continue, Pete, with OH4's thoughts. Dex's compulsion is becoming more and more clear as he struggles and fails to fulfill King's, Kingpin's order to kill Karen. When she was turned over to the NYPD, I was terrified that he was just going to flip out and kill her, Mahoney, and every cop in that church. And if he laid a hand on Sister Maggie, I would have been ready to throw hands, just saying. When he found Julie, my heart did actually break for him. The show didn't let us go too long without remembering that this is a man with a mental illness and a desire to find someone to follow uh, to follow, and then to do their bidding, because otherwise he doesn't know what to do with himself. It's weird that on this show I sympathize with Dex, uh, and yet a certain character on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has absolutely none of my sympathy. I'd love to give you a reason for this, but I have to call my therapist first. He's, <laughs> he says, I don't have a therapist. If I did my letters... Uh, two would probably far would probably be far shorter, and we don't want that, do we, Pete? Well, first off, the the talking cure is very helpful, and you know what? If you need to talk to somebody, absolutely talk to somebody. But speaking seriously, of course, uh, yeah, I, I think the the representation that we got in Dex and everything that went there from where he was attacking this from a healthy standpoint and where he was corrupted. Um, and I, I go back to what Eric said, you know, this is a comic book situation. It draws its roots there and it, it should be honest to it rather than being, you know, TV verite or whatever we're going to, we're going to strive for. Um, so yeah, I, I think, there's a there's a middle ground i think sometimes the the back patting notion of there are no villains there are just complex people on a different perspective from us uh certainly within the realm of drama i think sometimes that's a little overblown like and certainly i'm i, I guess kind of from the writing producing end if vincent d'onofrio wants to approach his character that way Absolutely. There's no question that Fisk sees himself as the hero of his story. But I think sometimes when it's like, you know, everything's so complex and not, you know, like there's actual bad guys. Um, I think that can be a bit overdone. But does that mean that we should be unsympathetic to Dex? Absolutely not. I mean, Pete, there's another there's another arc for Agent Point Dexter where he is. He is a hero, and I don't know if that's been explored in the comics, but this is a guy with superpowers and the desire to do the right thing, get the right push, and and he's a fantastic hero. He, you know, and and the fact that he isn't, it's something that we can certainly, you know, our our hearts can break too. Back to OH4's email, Pete, Agent Mother Expletive Nadim. By the way, Pete, <laughs> he wrote Expletive. We didn't have to do it. Thanks so much. Uh, he saved Karen at the end of, the, of episode 11, gave up his freedom to put Fisk away in 12. Then, when that became uh, useless, he gave up his own life, knowing that his death is what would finally make his testimony stick and bring the man down for good in 13. It's inspirational, it's heartbreaking, it's ridiculous that an original non-superhero character comes into the show and just steals it. When he was on the phone with his wife and his son for their very last conversation, did you notice what phone he was using? Did you, did you? The same phone that Jack used to say goodbye to Maggie and uh, to make sure Matt would be taken care of. I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> Continuing here, I wanted, I really wanted Madame Gao to be the one who had bought Rabbit in the Snowstorm. Really wanted it. The only suitable replacement for her would have been a Holocaust survivor from whom not even Fisk is evil enough to take the painting back. Good God, that scene loved it. Uh, the main event the main event fight was everything. 
Daredevil versus Bullseye versus Kingpin. Do I need to say more? You bet I do. The ridiculousness of Dex popping up on stage in the devil suit with a oh, microphone. It's great. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, then Matt saves Fisk. That confused me a little. Ha, uh, he has been dead set on killing Fisk from the last episode. He went through the trouble bringing Dex into the equation, yet he hasn't had that incredibly gut-wrenching moment when he screams in utter frustration because he can't bring himself to kill the man. So why not let Bullseye finish him on the dance floor? Did he want to do it himself? Was Bullseye actually aiming for Vanessa? Did Matt hear Ray's confession on all those phones and do the legal math and decide he doesn't need Fisk to die anymore? making that amazingly active scream at the end useless. I don't know. Pete, your thoughts. I think that's an excellent point there. I just love the heck out of that sequence for the absurdity of the things that go on, uh, bringing uh, Julie's body in the uh, passenger seats with agent Lim there. Oh, he's one of the good ones going on stage and, uh, Hey, Julie and I want to wish you the best and, and whizzing the microphone at Fisk only to have, uh, Matt jump in and, and block it. And then it's this three way throwdown. Um, yeah, it, they're going to be hard pressed to, to stage things to build to such a point in the future. Back to the email, Pete. Uh, also back at Fogwell's, when Matt has decided he's going to fill, kill Fisk, Frank Castle's best friend is in the room with him. Who better to call when you want someone dead? I'll wait. Anyway, that three-way fight was incredible. It was the most comic book scene in all three seasons of the show, and it worked. Fisk's armored jacket, Vanessa constantly being a target, and the weird common motivation for both Fisk and Daredevil in trying to save her, Bullseye getting paralyzed... And the blood stains on the painting. It's capital letters. There was no way, there was no better way than that visual to wrap up the Fisk storyline that ran through the whole show. I expected Vanessa to just roll her eyes and shoot Matt from behind when he was making the deal with Kingpin. Speaking of that deal, totally going to hold up, right? Right, guys? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sure part of the pitch included uh, whether or not D'Onofrio would be back and I'm sure when they crafted that solution immediately the discussion is well how do we undo this because we we can't have this uh Pax Romana continue here in Hell's Kitchen Pete I'm reminded of a tweet from D'Onofrio I don't have it in front of me but I think somebody had said uh, if you could play another uh character in the MCU who would it be and his response it wasn't quite as negative and direct as i'm going to word it but this is kind of how i remember it it was like uh i'm done playing mcu characters but i would take playing lex luther again it was a little bit more playful than that but it did kind of have the sense at least of that writing of like my time in the mcu is over i don't think he's done i think it was more of well i have this character how could i possibly play somebody else Two more points here, Pete, in the email. Uh, when it's all said and done, this was definitely the best season that Netflix has done. It was gritty and real world, but also a very comic book at the same time. Great point. Every character was written amazingly, and the actors portraying them truly, truly put out award-worthy performances. Charlie Cox is as much Matt, Matt Murdock as RDJ is Tony Stark, or Chris Evans is Steve Rogers, and I dare say possibly more so. And thank you for reading these rants of mine. No one I know watch these shows or movies more than casually, and I appreciate not having to keep these thoughts in completely. Well, that's what we're here for, man. We are the water cooler. Um, and, uh, yeah, I really see the point on Charlie Cox. And what was really nice to see is how much the crew there were cheerleaders for him at New York Comic Con and how – authentically happy they were for him having just gotten married and his uh, new bride was sitting amongst them. And uh, yeah, I, you get a sense. This is a very happy crew and happy show and, you know, the new showrunner, little new injection of life into it. And uh, I, I think everything behind the scenes translated to success on stage. Before I read the last point here, I'll say we appreciate 
these emails uh, as well as the flexibility in reading them. Certainly there are times when we're podcasting and you mentioned Pete, there's life and we have full-time jobs and things like that. There's times where it's like we give a hundred percent for the podcast, but before we press record, it's like, uh, all right, Pete, uh, we got, uh, 43 minutes until one of us has to go somewhere. So, uh, let's make it a good one, but (laughs) you know, here's the deadline. Um, I love these long emails. I, you know, I, I know this one was written a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, so it's taken a little time to get to it, but certainly it, it, uh, it's deserving the focus that we're giving now. So keep those thoughts coming. Oh, four and everybody else. Pete, Oh, four is last thought. I'll be back with thoughts on the two season cancellations soon in case your ears haven't been typed off enough. No, they haven't been. Uh, I was waiting to see if Jessica Jones, Daredevil, or Punisher, spoiler alert, the significantly more Caucasian 60% of the Netflix solo shows, uh, would follow this week, but it looks like the cancellation bear is full for now. Shh, don't poke them. Well, (laughs) certainly the the words true now as they were three weeks ago. Oh, wait for signing off saying, Pete, tinges at my heart a little bit since what has happened since the email was written and now but until next time true believers excelsior Ugh, yeah um yeah Yay to the words uh heartbreak with the loss of stanley of course absolutely and you know i i think it it's the double service apart from what's done for the viewers how all these characters have uh you know honored Stan's legacy now with his passing and, and just, you know, yeah, we could have, could have left daredevil the way it was with Affleck. And instead we have so greatly elevated it. This is always what it could have been. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a situation like we've had, uh, Batman and, you know, all these other characters. I mean, Charlie Cox is daredevil. And to, to think that agent Nadim was at the middle of that really meaty email. I, I think it's an opportunity for us to kind of look back to things we have said in this season wrap up, which is where would they go? Well, it doesn't necessarily need to be an adaptation of the second or third greatest right. story arc or things like that. You come up with new characters. This is a season that in many ways it, it, it was kept tethered to reality by the, the, by agent Nadim. You know, he's a work a day guy with a family trying to do his best. And that was the contrast to solo single Matt Murdoch, also graduate of Columbia law school and foggy who, yeah, has a, girlfriend but also is ready to do solo things and karen who's solo and superpowers and fisk and super money and bullseye you know it's just kind of like a guy doing a thing was the secret sauce for this season so pete we of course can't wait to hear i guess we, we can wait to hear if it's a cancellation but we can't wait for when that next chapter is going to be revealed to us whatever that might be Let's go to Facebook, Matt, where we have a couple messages here about the season. First from John Stewart. I have to agree with you guys that DD season three was the best Marvel Netflix season to date. It's not my favorite, though. I love Luke Cage season one the most. Only Punisher season one was as well put together, really. If there is no season four, I think the ending was satisfying enough that I could be at peace with that. The characters generally reached satisfying conclusions and things are generally in good places. My wish for the future of Marvel Netflix is that they do another Defender season based on a citywide gang war with super science. They have all these ethnic gangs. Is that even a thing in the real world? Uh, He asks uh, that could try to fill in some power vacuum. Diamondback and Bullseye have some sort of weird surgeries and Jessica Jones season two hinted at a loosely knit online community of supers. The ingredients are in place and all sorts of things could happen in that situation. I doubt my wish will even come close to being fulfilled. But if you know any bored genies out there, let them know. 
we've discussed in the past that some people online, certainly not us, are, you know, fire Jeff Loeb, this, that, the other. I think the fact that he shepherded all this TV to all these different venues is to be applauded. And certainly yeah. the vast majority of the TV has been, has been, it has hit the mark. I don't know that, you know, is Cloak and Dagger meant to be as uh, introspective as uh, Luke Cage? Okay, maybe not, but Cloak and Dagger looks at race and privilege and wealth, uh, as does Luke Cage, just for a slightly different audience and slightly different um, attunation, if you will. Uh, that said, and look, I also understand, too, different networks might not be in on, you know, like, oh, don't tie in this thing to Netflix because we're Hulu and things like that. But I do wonder, when when Jeff Loeb, many years from now, decides to retire, what's a different way to run all of this heck i mean with disney uh plus it might end up all under more umbrella uh under one umbrella more so but yeah you you push hashtag it's all connected and then it it always isn't and then moving forward it's are you too local or are you too big it's it's a weird tension that they have placed themselves in it is, and I think Loeb is certainly to be commended getting this off the ground, getting it to where it is here. 300 episodes of anything is nothing to sneeze at, and that he's done them all. Uh, really, really impressive, and in the time that he has where this is cranked up, um, eventually he's going to move on to something else, if if not outright you know, uh, retire or they promote him to another position and bring somebody else along. Um, but I think he's, he's only to be lauded with all of this. We have one more uh, message, Matt, to the Facebook page, this from Robert T. Frost. And he writes, Matt and Pete, I have to agree. This has been some of the best Marvel TV we have been treated to in the hundreds of episodes we have received. The character development and backstories have been fantastic. The fight slash action sequences this season have been superb. And while the fight that followed fight that followed fight were not one upping each other, they were individual and unique, eventually culminating in a three way free for all. I had to go back and rewatch when Bullseye threw the microphone at Fisk. I had actually thought he threw the mic at Vanessa, although Fisk didn't seem to be the superpowered version from the comics. He did manage to break the bricks on the fireplace when his punch missed Bullseye and it didn't seem to break his hand. I found it curious that Agent Hatley was walking out of the hotel in the aftermath. She had been shot in the side by Bullseye and then received a pistol to the head. I guess it's more Hollywood speak for it's just a flesh wound. But. <laughs> I'm adding the uh, the pronunciation there, uh, but but two nobodies die after getting a beer bottle to the noggin in an earlier episode. Sigh. The only nit I would pick is one that has bugged me since we learned about Benjamin Poindexter's past. Dex would never be an FBI agent. His hiring background investigation would show that he had been in counseling slash therapy for most of his life. And while that therapy would be confidential, the fact that he has been receiving counseling for 20 plus years would get him a negative recommendation for hiring. That said, I suspended disbelief and absolutely love the show went this direction for Dex. Wilson Bethel absolutely crushed it as bullseye. And I do sincerely hope that he will return in a future season. Fingers crossed. There is so much else we could discuss, but I'll leave it here. He's doing it to us too, Matt. Excelsior, your friend, Bob. Mm. It, it speaks to the strength of the story and the characters and the performances to those three things that Bob is mentioning some willful suspension of disbelief but not mockingly he's legit saying with his knowledge of law enforcement i'm going to ignore that you know it's inauthenticity of his hiring i'm going to ignore that because characters same thing with hatley walking out I, that had not occurred to me in the slightest even though you know we had discussed 
okay, she's knocked out and she's shot in the side because even as you're watching it, it's like, oh, they're saving her for something. And then she's now revealed to be the magic, the magic solution of, and she flipped and cleaned the FBI out with her testimony. The fact that she walked out, that didn't even cross my mind. Again, it's, it's, it's like an unwillful suspension of disbelief because they just presented it so cleanly. And, you know, we had talked about some of the willful suspension of disbelief for, every character kind of getting a tie off at the end of this season. It genuinely speaks to buying into these characters where you kind of get what you want, which is happy ending and to be continued and the end all in one. And when it works, you don't exactly question the logic of it all. And that's usually a result of everything else being logical. And you, you give them this exception, you give them that exception. Absolutely. And I think the perspective of law enforcement and, and helping to understand that really, really needed. So, again, uh, Bob, thanks as always for writing in. Pete, this entire season, we have been kept supported by our listeners on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. They're making our adventure here with old Hornhead possible, keeping us coming back to the mic and making sure that all the uh, the bites and the bits and the technology things work behind the scenes. We do everything we can on top of what we bring you uh, to make the contributions that you so graciously give us worthwhile. We have just added what I think is a really fantastic thing for patrons to watch and listen to. <laughs> Fantastic indeed, Pete. But of course, how can people share feedback with you as we continue to digest this season as in the future news about season four comes out, other Marvel things, etc., etc.? How can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-10,177 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. Feel free to leave a message on the listener line, 732-707-1815 in these United States. Pete, is there more? Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, this is certainly not the last episode of the Daredevil podcast with, uh, as stated, news about the future still to come, but certainly does draw an end to our, uh, our third season coverage. What a season it has been. Uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal season, and uh, can't wait to talk more about Daredevil in the future. With that, Pete, I'll say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I find that when rage can no longer stay inside, that a primal scream is the only possible release. We are.